Good afternoon and welcome to the Soulful Dish. My name is Felicia and I'm your co-host. Today, my dear friend and co-host Tanisha is not joining us today. She's with her family, so I'm holding it down solo, but it's totally all right. We're still going to have a good time. And I actually am excited today to bring you our topic, which is the history of soul food, part two. Now, several months back around November, Tanisha and I came with part one of the history of soul food and we were excited about that and actually we got a lot of really good feedback from it so i hope that you will enjoy today's podcast as we go a little bit deeper into the history of soul food so i if you haven't heard part one i encourage you to go back and listen to part one but i do want to briefly kind of brush up on what we talked about in part one and then glide on into part two. So in part one, we just gave a definition of soul food and we talked about how soul food originated in the South. We talked about how the word soul food actually came into existence, which was it was created in the 1960s um, in the South when the word soul was used to describe many things in black culture, such as Uh, You may have heard some people say soul music. I know I've heard people say soul sister or soul brother. So that's how the word soul food actually came into existence. So we also talked about some, we, we named a few statistics on how soul food affects our health, especially, um, eating soul food over a period of time or eating soul food in excess, how that affects our health. So please go listen to that and um, get informed on what we had to say in that podcast. So today I want to talk to you about a few more things as in regards to the history of soul food. And I'm excited about sharing this topic with you today because it's actually the last Sunday in February. You know we do our podcast every other Sunday. So this is the last Sunday in February. Although we here at the Sofa Dish, we celebrate Red Black 365, but this is Black History Month. So what better way than to end Black History Month than being informed about our people and what they ate and how they actually created this um, genre of food. So I want to talk to you about Africa for a second. And I'm learning more and more each day as I read different things about Africa. And I'm just so amazed and I'm actually so proud to be the descendant of Africans. So I want to talk about Africa. Africa is the place, the land where creation began and the more and more I read I learned that there are so many herbs healing herbs and healing foods that originated in Africa and I actually talked about this in part one how there are so many herbs and foods that um, that hold the cure for many of the so-called diseases out there or so-called incurable diseases out there and so I was just amazed to find that out. And the more and more I read, I continue to find that there are so many wonderful plants and herbs that come from Africa. So our ancestors 
repeating what was said in part one, our ancestors were primarily vegetarians when they lived in Africa before they were stolen. They were primarily vegetarians and they only ate meat when there was a ritual or perhaps if there was a drought and the crops were destroyed and there was no vegetation to eat, then that's when they would go out and hunt and eat meat. So they weren't over there in Africa frying chicken on the regular or anything like that. So it's I always try to clear up um, any misconceptions people may have because, you know, when I tell people that I don't eat meat or, hey, you know, I'm vegan or blah, 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 they're like, oh, that's white people food. And I always have to correct them. And I'm like, no, um, if you, you know, look back in the history, Africans were not meat eaters. Okay, so it's people are people kind of we're kind of dealing with people who are suffering from a lack of knowledge. And so that's why I'm happy to be a part of um, doing things such as this podcast to help inform and uplift people so that they can be educated and hopefully begin to make better decisions. So as I as I said, Africa is the is the is where creation began. And the land has many herbs and and foods and plants that hold the cures for many diseases. So our people were living in Africa. They were extremely healthy, extremely healthy. And then came the Europeans. And the Europeans got to Africa and they actually studied how the Africans were living and what they were eating. And so they actually used the information that they learned in their observations and when they captured the slaves, when they took the slaves, they actually took their food that was native to their land and they brought it on the slave ships for the slaves to eat during their voyage to America. Now, this was not done as a kind gesture. This was done to help keep the slaves alive on their journey to America. Because I take it that if they had just taking the slaves and giving them some unfamiliar foods. Maybe the slaves wouldn't have liked it or maybe they would have gotten sick right away or whatever the case may have been. But they gave them foods that were native to their land that the, sla- that the slaves were already eating and used to eating and very familiar with. And that was done to help keep them alive. And so some of that food did make it back to America. And one of those foods that I can tell you right off is okra. Okra is actually... Uh, it actually came from Africa. And I actually watched a documentary um, in doing my research to bring this podcast to you today where the woman in the documentary was saying how when the slaves got to America, they were, you know, shaking their clothes and shaking out their hair and seeds were falling out. And some of those seeds were okra seeds. So that's just a glimpse into how some of the foods from Africa made it here to America. Many dishes that we eat today are actually African inspired. Um, One of them being jambalaya. (laughs) Um, So the foods that the slaves ate once they got here, things totally changed. The soul food was created by the African slaves because all they had to eat were the scraps. But luckily, as I said in part one, our food, our, I'm sorry, our ancestors 
were extremely creative. They were, in my opinion, they were culinary, they were culinary geniuses because they were able to take the scraps such as um, the neck bones and and the the pig's feet and just other different parts of animals and use those to season the food and make the food taste delicious so that they can get full and enjoy their meals just like their masters. And it turns out that, you know, eventually their masters and and white people started to want what the slaves were eating. <laughs> because like I said, the slaves were very, they were culinary geniuses, so they were able to make the food that was supposed to be scraps and, and just, you know, something they were throwing out they made it taste good and unfortunately this cost them their health now i want to talk about a typical day in the life of a slave and i read something in my research by it was written by frederick douglas and he talked about his life and what he dealt with um during his time as a slave now he talked about how the slaves ate and this part really it really hurt my feelings because I mean I'm the descendant of a slave okay so I have my ancestors blood running through my body so it really just I was so emotional to know that people who are in my family related to me they actually had to deal with this in their life. They were treated less than humans. If you're following me on Instagram, I put pictures up. And it, those pictures are pictures of a trough. And a trough is actually a long, narrow, open container. And it's actually made for animals to eat and drink from. And if you saw the picture on my Instagram, you, you saw that there were actually cows drinking from a trough. But... Back during slavery, the slaves had to eat from a trough. They didn't even have plates or eating utensils such as a fork or a knife or a spoon. And I don't I don't know about you all, but for me, I just can't even imagine not even having my own plate to eat off. I can't even imagine having to eat from from a huge basically a huge bin and you are sharing it with other people it's not just you and your family it was many others who had to eat from that same uh from that same bin okay so in my reading i found where uh frederick douglas he talked about how slave owners use food as a weapon of control and if you're again if you're following me on instagram i've spoken i've touched on that in the past how even now today that food is has been weaponized especially in the black community especially in low-income communities and i'm going to touch back on that after i finish reading this piece about um frederick, D- frederick Douglass. so here's what frederick Douglass has to had to say I have often been so pinched with hunger that I have fought with the dog for the smallest crumbs that fell from the kitchen table, and I have been glad when I won a single crumb in the combat. That's deep. He had to fight with the dog just to get crumbs. That's how hungry he was. He goes on to say, 
Our food was coarse cornmeal boiled. This was called mush. It was put into a large wooden tray or trough and sat down upon the ground. The children were then called like so many pigs and like so many pigs they would come and devour the mush. Some with oyster shells, others with pieces of shingle, some with naked hands and none with spoons. He that ate fastest got most. So what he said was basically they had to eat like the animals ate. Again, in my picture on Instagram, you saw a group of cows drinking from the trough. And as Frederick Douglass wrote, you know, they called the children. Everybody had to gather around. And if you were moving too slow, you weren't going to get, you might not have gotten full because there was going to be, there wasn't going to be much food left. You had to act fast so you can get full and have something to eat. So they were treated like animals back then. Now, Frederick Douglass went on to talk of how some slave owners would encourage the slaves. This was during the Christmas holiday. They would encourage the slaves to get drunk during the Christmas holiday. They would have some time off from working back then. And so what the slave owners would do would give them alcohol. And they even betted on which slaves would get the most intoxicated. Now, getting the slaves drunk during their Christmas break actually was done on purpose because it was done to distract them from thinking of ways that they could escape from the plantation. And I want to throw in a fact that slaves made up 80% of the property value of the plantation. I just had to take a deep breath on that one because it's just, it's, it's just unbelievable how our people were treated. I also read about Booker T. Washington's experience as a slave and he was a child and he talked about the usual diet of a slave for breakfast and he said it was cornbread and pork and only on the weekends did the slaves have access to other ingredients and foods that included processed flour and refined sugar so it wasn't even every day that they had you know actual food to eat you know they were eating mush and they were eating cornbread and and pork but when we say pork you know they were really it was just the scraps and so you know going back to what to what Frederick Douglass said about the food being used as a weapon I totally can understand that because you know you don't want them eating too good and this this is what the slave owners would do they didn't want them slaves eating too good you know they were constantly hungry i read um in frederick Douglass writing and in booker t washington's writing you know they were they were hungry as children you know and they were they were enslaved as you know during their childhood so they were often hungry again frederick Douglass had to fight with the dog just to get crumbs he even talked about how he would go and um when they were you know you take the tablecloth and you kind of kind of shake it out to clean it off he would even wait for crumbs to fall off of the tablecloth just so he could have something to eat. So when we talk about slave food or in the history of soul food, you know, I just want to include the fact that they didn't always have fried chicken and collard greens to eat. 
you know, they they did that when they had access to it, as we just read. And so even outside of that, they still had to eat, but they they literally were eating scraps. Now, again, I want to go back to how the food was being weaponized and how that still is happening during this present moment today. If you live in a black community or what they consider to be a low income community, you may experience certain things such as a food desert, which is where there's not many grocery stores or and or there's not access to fresh food or healthy food. And so I deal with that issue because I live in a black community (laughs) and there's not many grocery stores where I live and there's actually not any healthy food anywhere in my community. I actually have to leave the community to go and get healthy food that I need. And in the black community, as I've stated before um, in my posts, that the black community is saturated with fast food uh, restaurants and convenience stores. And so these places don't have healthy foods. I was actually just teaching my um, kids that I teach in my cooking class. I was teaching them about the dangers of Takis and hot Cheetos and how they have um, an opioid effect as far as like getting you addicted to them. And they cause all sorts of health health problems, but these foods are popular and they target the black community and low income communities. And so that's just another example of how foods are being used as weapons, okay, um, to make us sick. So this is where this is why I do the work that I do, which is to come to you and bring information that maybe you didn't know or perhaps you forgot so that we can work together on getting together and combating these these tactics that are used to keep our people sick. I want to see people eating healthy. And so I feel that the more we come to you with podcasts, the more we spread information and there's several um, Instagram pages and websites out there. I feel that the more our people wake up, the more we'll start to get healthy. Okay. So I feel that it's important to bring you the history um, that our people, that our ancestors went through so that we can make better decisions. Again, I have my ancestors' blood running through my body. I'm the descendant of a slave. And I feel that the only way I can really pay homage one of the ways that I could really pay homage to them because they couldn't do what I'm doing. They didn't have access to healthy food. They didn't have access to going or the they didn't even have, they didn't even have the right to healthy food. Forget the access. They didn't even have the right to eat healthy. They were given scraps. They had no choice but to eat those things. So I feel that just one way I can pay homage to them is to take my power back and take control of my diet yes soul food it does taste good but is it healthy for you no is it is it original to our ancestors no okay but 
no, not when they were in Africa, but they came to America and they did what they had to do in order to survive. It was really a survival food back then. Now it's just food we eat because we enjoy it. But I feel like when you know better, you do better. And I feel that that's what I'm trying to do, which is to bring information. And many others like us, like Tanisha and I, are just trying to bring information to uplift our people. There are several people on Instagram who are um, also sharing information about how we need to take control of our diets and how these companies are targeting our community. So that's just a a little just a little peek into the life of a slave and what they had to go through and how they ate and what they had to deal with back then um we talked in the part one about how so you know the effects of soul food so please go back and listen to part one if you haven't already and i'm actually (laughs) i didn't realize i'm actually um over my time so It looks like it's going to be a part three. (laughs) So stay tuned because I have more information that I do want to share with you on the history of soul food. But we just peeked into the life of a slave and how they ate. They didn't even have plates to eat off of. And and that's something new that I learned in my research um, in, in doing this podcast. So I, there's more that I have to share. So stay tuned for a blog post. And like I said, we celebrate Black History 365 around here. So stay tuned for part three. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Soulful Dish. You can follow me on Instagram at Eat underscore the underscore batter you can also follow tanisha on all platforms at chop friendly i hope you learned something new we're gonna learn more because we're not done with this topic i'm gonna go ahead and end it right now because i'm again i'm over my time and i think it's gonna cut me off so thank you for listening and we'll talk to you on the next podcast